0: Consumers have different comfort levels, whether that be being okay traveling to a dealership. But some people don't want to leave their home at all. We all respect that. So we need to find better ways to communicate with customers. And that is why digital retailing has taken on a completely new meaning as of late.
1: Welcome back to Unscheduled Maintenance. I'm your host, Steve Gady. To say digital is a vital channel for automotive retailing right now is an understatement. Demand to move the dealership experience online exploded in the wake of the pandemic, adding to the list of unexpected challenges dealers have had to face in 2020. In-person selling isn't going away, but the digital retailing has gained popularity and now there's no turning back. Cars has innovated to help dealers adapt to the new normal by rolling out solutions like virtual appointment and home delivery badges. And today we're joined by a very special guest, CEO of Dealer Inspire, Joe Chura, who's going to break down five recommended steps for dealers to master digital retailing and leverage it as a powerful marketing tool going into 2021. So Joe, thank you very much for being with us today. Um, as CEO of a cutting edge company like Dealer Inspire, you've often you know, found yourself in a lot of situations where you're leading trends, um, using insights with customers. Uh, and, you know, in the case of today, we're going to talk about digital retailing. Um, so before we go into that, though, if you wouldn't mind, could you tell our listeners a little bit about your background and how you became to uh, came to the CEO position at Dealer Inspire?
0: Yeah. Well, thanks for having me, first and foremost. I've been in the automotive space for, God, going on 22 years, believe it or not, starting from the assembly line at Ford Motor Company in 1998. To uh, work my way up to the marketing sales division, where I had the opportunity to call on a lot of dealers and sell them Ford vehicles, wholesale vehicles. And I got to really learn how dealerships operated, or, or so I thought, because in 2008, I actually left Ford Motor Company to become a car dealer. And I had a kind of a rude awakening on how dealers really operate. And I remember my first day I was handed a four square piece of paper and asked to approve a deal and I didn't even know what I was doing. So I, I quickly learned by fire and I really appreciate and have empathy for dealers and everything they have to go through, let alone at the time, like this is 2008, 2009, 2010. Now You're, you're looking at today and it's just even more complex with digital retailing and and analytics and all this other stuff. So, you know, they have to sell cars and know all this stuff to make sure that their marketing dollars are efficient. So, uh, fast forward a little bit. In 2010, I helped a car dealer increase their sales online by 300% in one year. And I used everything that I knew from being a car dealer, from being a Ford Motor Company, from really having a passion for the internet and digital technology. So I took that and I said, I partnered up with a couple of people and I said, hey, let's create a digital marketing agency. And we really just specialized initially in SEO and SEM. And the business took off and it was growing well. And uh, in 2012, I I think we had maybe 20 employees. Then the idea came to create a software company called Dealer Inspire. And that idea came because we were trying to publish content to websites that just weren't adequate. They weren't design right, they didn't convert right. There's a whole lot of problems with them. And we didn't really have control and the dealers didn't have control, so there's no flexibility. So we said, hey, if we're gonna build websites, let's create a different company, a new entity, we'll call it Dealer Inspire, like I said, and we'll help our marketing clients be more efficient. Well, little did I know that company took off like a rocket ship even faster than the digital marketing agency. So, how you become a CEO of a company is you you are the founder of the company, and then you could call yourself a CEO. <laughs> yeah, it's simple math, right? <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of funny. Well, my business partner and I, one day, we were driving in the car, and he's like, "You, you should just be the CEO." And I'm like, "Yeah, I, I guess that's what I'm doing anyway." So, so that <laughs> that fortunately, even through the acquisition, it it stuck, and here I am, ten years later. You know, 2011 launch was built and 2013 dealer inspire was created and now we're approaching 2021 and i'm still around as the ceo we combined both companies launched digital marketing and dealer inspire after the acquisition but it really is a is a testament to you know the combination of of now cars inc having the, you know, digital marketing agency that grew up in automotive, a software company and all the magic that cars has with it otherwise. Absolutely. I mean, that's a Serious automotive
1: pedigree that you just ran through right there. That's a lot. And, you know, speaking as somebody that's been internally, I do know that the addition of Dealer Inspire has just been a fantastic arrow to add to the quiver of offerings, you know, for people that we work with. So, you know, it's great having you guys on board with us now. So let's shift gears. You know, one of the things that you and, the, you know, the folks at Dealer Inspire have been able to do is provide a lot of really important analytics and insights when we're going to market with whether it be new products, new information, whatever it happens to be. Um, digital retailing has been a huge you know, piece of what we've always done. Uh, but of course, you know, with the pandemic and things moving to, you know, a predominantly online presence, digital retailing is really important. So we've really, we've released some content around that and Dealer Inspire had a big piece in that. So um, I know you've got a guide for us. So let's break into that right now. Let's take a look at some of the steps that you've got provided for us. So as it relates
0: to digital re- retailing, what's the counsel you would offer? There's one rule and that's to take care of your customers. Period. Uh, Pretty simple. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it really is. And digital retailing allows the consumers to do more online and to do less in a dealership. That doesn't mean there's no dealership or they're not important. That just means let's get some of the work that is unpleasant out of the way or let the customer curate a list of vehicles appropriate for them in the comfort of their own home or their own workplace in some cases. And then get to the dealership a lot of that's been done you know so it's really providing technology to help a consumer get through that process with less friction remove friction from the buying process which means they turn their cars faster it's pretty simple right
1: I mean, I've I've had that conversation with a lot of customers in the field where it's, you know, if you treat the customer right, you give them a good, solid consumer experience, you're going to end up selling a car at the end of the day. It's pretty simple math, um, but it's how do we get from point A to point B and what are those steps along the way uh, to ensure that we can help, you know, Help our customers be able to do that. So what are some of the guides that you would recommend for our listeners as they're looking at digital retailing and trying to get better at it? What are some simple steps they should be taking?
0: Yeah, so you referenced the guide a few times that we had created, and I would really stick to that. Treat every lead like a walk-in, and that's tip number one. Anyone that's coming to your website that is doing some of this work that I'm talking about you know if they're curating a list of vehicles meaning that you know they they're searching by payment they're searching by options they want they're searching by models they were driven to your website and a vehicle on the website for a certain reason if they do this work and they submit a lead and you don't treat them a little bit different like you know what they've done already then it's Kind of irrelevant, right? It's it's actually more frustrating. So you wouldn't do that if they're in front of you. If they're in front of you, and you're having a conversation with them, you don't walk or walk away and come back and ask them to repeat themselves. <laughs> so that that to me is like just so important. So treating the leads like they are in front of you because they are. You know, there's just a screen there, and there's uh, you know Ethernet cables along the way. But they are in front of you. It's a digital showroom. Yeah, that's I think that's really important counsel to treat it as if the customer was
1: in front of you, right? You want to be engaging with them. You want to make sure that you're giving it that personal touch, whatever that happens to be. Make sure that they're committing to their value proposition when they have that consumer there active and engaged with them. So treating every lead like a walk-in. All right. That's number
0: one. Love it. What's another tip? I think building strong bridges to your website. So this goes beyond providing shoppers with a great website experience It is connecting that experience. So when they do go and walk into your dealership, not only are you going to have a conversation, but you could pull up their deal. You can use technology, like with Online Shopper, to just use the consumer's phone number. They don't even have to remember a password. In fact, our technology was created, so a customer never has to create a password. How many passwords do you guys have out there? Too many, far too many. And what happens when you're on the spot and someone's like, hey, just log into this. What happens? Like you're you're sitting there and you can't, you know, I and, and this is these are things we created from years of scar tissue. Like I remember I built an app for a dealership that connected to Facebook five years ago and it allowed a consumer to post a, a comment and it would it would go to their Facebook page and it was awesome. But it was dependent on the customer logging into their Facebook account. And Mm. guess what that adoption was? (laughs) Very, very low. Wait, do you know what my Facebook password is? Because I can't remember it. So, yeah. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Um, So the reality is, like, you need, again, like a, a less friction way to get a consumer to pull up the information that they've already done. And that's really a bridge from your website to your dealership. And that's tip number two. Love that. Uh, Because, you know, of course,
1: any dealer is going to tell you that their first and last line of defense is their website, right? So making sure that you've got solid roadmaps and bridges to easily access that. I think that's super wise counsel. Are you looking for more actionable tips like the ones being shared on today's episode? Growwithcars.com has several guides that are completely free and non-gated like our new audience guide. The term in-market audience is everywhere in automotive marketing, and although not all audiences are created equal, many are inflated. And some go as far to flat out misrepresent the audience they're targeting altogether. And there are few things more frustrating than wasting precious ad dollars on audiences that aren't actually in the market to buy a car. CARS is here to help with this resource you can leverage to elevate in-market audience claims as you plan your marketing strategies for 2021. Our new audience guide addresses how bad audience data is eating your advertising budget and provides three steps you can take to maximize ROI with real in-market audiences. Visit growwithcars.com to learn more. All right, so
0: stronger bridges to your website. What's next? Well, we like to say in the guidebook, it says thinking site to driveway, but We also say search to signature. So you can't really think about this as a fragmented process, even though the reality is it could be, right? Like everyone doesn't follow the same path to buying an asset such as a car. And that's an important point that I want everyone to understand. Often dealers and their processes are compared to an Amazon-like experience. Well, what are you buying on Amazon? What's the average price of something that's on Amazon? Is it something that's going to require trade-in and financing and all of that stuff? Not really. The difference is you're buying a product on Amazon and in a dealership, you're buying an asset. Mm-hmm. In most cases, it's the second or third most expensive asset a consumer is going to purchase or lease. So it's far different. So you really have to think about how you're going to connect with this consumer. And you could do that in in a variety of ways. One of the ways that we saw has been really working is you can take a, uh, a current customer file of consumers that maybe have their leases that are due up in the next six months. You take that in addition to maybe someone that's purchased a vehicle two or three years ago from you and you upload those files into various mediums like Google and Facebook and uh, participate in cars display advertising, which I'll get to in a second here. And you specifically can target those consumers and you put a personalized ad in front of them with a payment to drive them to the experience on your website. And I mentioned cars.com for a reason. Most consumers on Google and on Facebook aren't in the market for a vehicle, a lot are but most aren't, right? If you look at it as a percentage, I'd argue that 99% of consumers that are on cars.com are in the market for a vehicle or in the, some research phase. You don't go to cars.com to shop for toasters. I mean, it's audience purity, right? It's, it's pretty simple. Exactly. It's if, you know, people go to Google first, then they go to cars or they'll go to cars.com directly because of our name brand that we've built over the last 20 years. That's a really important point because you have to be where the consumer is. You just have to be where they are. And then you have to have personalized messaging to them. And what we see again that's working is messaging that revolves around payments, revolves around, hey, you can afford this. You have this, what about thinking about this? And that could be an upgrade, that could be a different vehicle, it could be a conquest campaign, a number of things. But the bottom line is when that person clicks on that ad, And this is also vital. They have to have a fulfilled promise. They can't have a failed, miserable experience. Meaning if they see an ad and an offer and they click to the website and then all of a sudden they get to the website and they can't find the ad or the offer, what's going to happen? They're going to bounce. Now you're just wasting money. So it's a delicate thing, but it's an important one.
1: Well, yeah, it's again, making sure that whatever content they're presenting aligns in all of those places. And that just goes back to what you said, you know, thinking about site to driveway, or from you know stem to stern, away from start to finish, to make sure that you know our businesses are thinking about the consumer experience and all the steps that they experience throughout that, uh, and it's our, how these services are going to be able to make sure that they stay present along all of those ways. So, thinking site to driveway, I think that's a, another good way to be able to you know, tackle it. So wise counsel on that. I was looking at the guide and I know that another one of the suggestions was being hyper-efficient and hyper-connected. I'll talk a little bit more about what that really means because, you know, we're all very connected to our devices. So how does that play out?
0: Yeah, definitely. So one of the main things that you want to look at as a dealer, and this is something we're really focused on in cars from a product standpoint so we're creating cars.com experiences outside of cars.com. And let me unpack that a second here with a story. You're, it's late at night. You're on, your, you're on your phone or maybe your spouse is. They're scrolling through the Facebook feed. And Facebook has this interesting stat that a consumer on an average day scrolls through about 300 yards with their thumb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> With just your thumb. We're gonna all have pretty strong thumbs and we we also need <laughs> need other things to occupy our time. But the reality is most of the advertising on Facebook and on these other places, they basically are show an ad and and that ad has a link and that link links off those experiences, right? So it'll link off Facebook. So as a consumer I see an ad through my newsfeed, I click on it, then I leave Facebook and then I go somewhere else. You just basically told me in not so many words, hey, I'm going to put this ad in front of you because what you're doing isn't as important as you coming over to my website over here. And what happens is you create this disconnection and now the consumer isn't hanging out with their friends anymore. They're not hanging out on the Facebook newsfeed. They're on this whole different experience. And you know, that works, I'm not going to say that that never works, but one of the things we did is we said, well, what if we could create the experience within those ecosystems? So someone therefore can scroll through that newsfeed, they can see an ad, they could click on the ad, then all of a sudden something, in the example of Facebook, Facebook Messenger pops up. And the same experience that they would receive by going to the website, they can have it natively wherever they are. That is efficiency. You know why? Because when you ask a consumer to link off and go somewhere else, the percentage of drop-off is about 50%. Yeah, and those are not good odds. <laughs> those are not good odds. And the, the thing is, most people don't even know that because you don't know the opportunities you're missing on the other end, right? You just, you just don't. You can look at your ad spend, but it's usually after it's happened and say, oh, yeah, I had X amount of people click on my, my ad. My conversion rate, let's say it's three or four percent, which is pretty good. Well, that means 96 to 97 percent of the people didn't convert. Well, what if you made the experience native? So, it's we also call it native conversion that is hyper connected, hyper efficient, and that also lives on those these cars.com experiences live on they can live on Google, they can live on Facebook, they can live in GMB, which is, which is, uh, you know, Google Maps essentially. They can live via text. Dealer has a big billboard. They're advertising in a movie theater. You get a text number, consumer texts that number, and they have an experience natively via text, not even leaving text messaging. Right. So it's, it, there's all these things that are really important. And by the way, this isn't like, oh, yeah, this technology will be, be, you know, available in five years from now. No, it's available today. Like it's called conversations. <laughs> yeah. We have it today. And as a car's, customer you can't get it
1: so there are solutions
0: to help you fix or fix these challenges or take on these challenges yeah it's to be more efficient you know it's to be connected you talk about creating a wow experience now you're like hey i don't need to leave facebook or google or my texting or wherever you're at you can hang out where you are not. Yeah. I think that's, I
1: think that's really important now because you know, that 50% drop off rate that you talked about is something that's, it's sort of a soft number that people, like you said, aren't paying attention to. And again, if you don't keep that message consistent throughout the experience, people are going to you know drop off at multiple places where you could easily lose that opportunity to you know move some metal. So, all right, well, a lot of this ties back to uh, the importance of what a dealer's value proposition is or what an advertiser's, you know, brand may be. So bring us home with your final tip on this one.
0: Tip number five is building trust by humanizing your brand. And what I mean by that is people love people. I mean, if you think about the best sales experiences that you've had, they're from people that you've grown to like and trust. And Dealer Rater, as one of our brands, does a phenomenal job exposing this to consumers on behalf of dealers and matching salespeople up with the right consumers and consumers up with the right salespeople. And also responding to reviews and comments and all of that stuff. But what it boils down to is being a human being, right? You're you're getting in your branded now is you. It is it is people at your dealership that are gonna that are gonna provide that confidence level to the consumer that is Again, purchasing or leasing one of the most expensive assets that they ever will in their life. It's a big decision. Yeah, it's huge. And the more you can humanize that, the better off you're going to be. We want to give a big
1: thanks to Joe Chura for coming by and dropping some major knowledge on the pod. Everything covered today has been compiled into a guide that you need right now on growwithcars.com. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks with more Season 3 of Unscheduled Maintenance. Unscheduled Maintenance was created by Alex Vetter and Jake Whitler, and is a production of Cars, Inc. and is hosted by me, Steve Gady. Our senior producer is Evan Sears. Sarah Nicholas is our producer, along with assistant producer Ryan Corgan-Wetzel. Audio mixed by Chris Franzen. Original design and animations for each episode created by Paul Dolan and Matt Coenia. You can see those and listen to all of our episodes at growwithcars.com slash unscheduled maintenance. Unscheduled maintenance is recorded remotely from our homes. We're looking forward to working in person again when we're able to safely return to our studio. Thanks for listening.